Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yak Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track mounted accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. You're listening to Bass Fishing for News on the Adeline Fan Podcast with your hosts, Ryan Milford and Sean Lambert. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I am the host, Sean Lavery. Um, we are working on getting new intros uh, for all the shows. Um, so bear with me there. We'll have Ryan's image there for a little bit longer in memory of him. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, I missed you, bud. But um, we are moving forward. And um, so tonight I'd like to welcome on another fellow Paddle and Fin host, Mr. Brad Hicks. Brad, thank you for joining us this evening. Heck yeah, it's always fun coming on this show, man. Oh, I like it. It's like third or fourth time now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, I was really struggling to come up with a topic and I've uh, been kind of paying attention to Brad's Instagram lately and he's been talking a lot about a, a technique that I... Uh, I've heard of, but uh, never got a chance to throw. I own them. Uh, I just never broke them out, partially because I didn't know uh, necessarily what uh, situation I would use them in. And um, that is the Tokyo rig. So tonight we're going to cover the Tokyo rig. So, um, Brad, you you started throwing it in the rivers. Did you uh, were you throwing it anywhere else before that, or you just thought you'd try it, or what got you into throwing the Tokyo? Rig? Well, actually, uh, I didn't throw it on the river first. I threw it on a local reservoir up here. And it's th this reservoir goes from like, it's like a rocky bank. And then it ju just drops down to like 30 feet and then 40 feet at the bottom. So I, I went fishing with my uh, buddy, Chris Yalk. He's a listener. So shout out to Chris. <laughs> What's up, Chris? Uh, yeah, I think he's a, uh, he won the noobs tournament last month too. I was going to say, I, I saw he was, he just edged out Susie at the, on the last day, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I fished with him quite a bit and he was throwing the Tokyo rig and he's like, yeah, man, this thing's been catching good fish for me. So I'm like, let me borrow one. I'm going to try it out. Cause you know, I have this mindset when I try something new out, I'm like, I ain't putting it down until I catch fish on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I know like all these baits, like 
there's a lot I haven't thrown, but I know they'll catch fish. It's only a matter of time, right? right. So I was like, all right, I'm going to throw this until I catch a fish. And it wasn't even 20 minutes later. And I, I caught like a 20-inch largemouth. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I wish awesome. I had that kind of success. Usually I struggle a couple trips, and that's what really, <laughs> you know, I hate I hate uh, getting skunked. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times if, if I uh, am really struggling, I will bail on that quick and, and go for some or go back to my comfort zone so um i definitely have to get better at you know coming to grips with uh skunking because it does happen and and oh yeah uh, especially when you're learning so oh yeah like like i said well i i always i thought this would be a good topic for uh the mindset absolutely because i i, I completely changed my mindset around using new baits and stuff like that i'm like I, i'm to the point where i'm I'm not like it sucks to skunk, but it's just like all right, it's it's not as bad as a feeling as what it once was. You know what I mean? Right. Because I know eventually it will pay off. Right. So that, that's how I've been looking at it, approaching new baits and new bodies of water and stuff like that. I'm getting there slowly. Um, I, I definitely don't <clears throat> take it uh, as hard as I used to, um, but my skunks get fewer and far between now mm-hmm. uh, as I improve all, all around. So. Yeah, that, that's always nice. Yeah. Even if you catch like a 10 inch fish or something, it's like, all right, oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. So we'll just get off started. I'll, I'll kind of dive into what a Tokyo rig is. And I actually have one here with me, <clears throat> if you guys can see that. So basically what it consists of is a wide gap hook. Usually, I guess it doesn't always have to be, but all the ones that I've seen are. And then you have a, that's actually tied to a swivel in the middle which gets tied to your main line. And then you have this piece of wire that you can take a weight of your choosing. Usually I think bullet weights are the most popular. Mm-hmm. So you put your bullet weight on there and you bend it like so, so that your bullet weight is kind of stuck in the middle of the uh, line. And then it kind of works like a drop shot, right? So the, the weight mm-hmm. drag goes down on the bottom and that leaves your, whatever uh, you have on the hook up in the air. So whoop. So it's basically that. Um, I'll share my screen for you. Awesome. There you go. There you go. Yep. And that is the exact one that I have right now. I, I don't know who all makes them, but VMC is the one that I have. Um, I think VMC is the only one that makes them. It's their, okay. I don't know if they're patenting on the idea or what. But Okay. I did see it on uh, when I was YouTube, kind of YouTubing to, to look for this topic and to see, trying to find people to interview. I found a guy who was, kind of making his own um Hmm. it's a little more it's much easier i think just to go buy the vmc ones they're not that expensive um no it's like 4.99 for a two-pack yeah yeah so and and the idea behind having the weight down there and that just that wire is that if it gets snagged it's going to snag the weight and you can kind of pull it out right Mm -hmm. yeah i i haven't gotten snagged very much with it only time i will get snagged like major is if i'm like fishing something with rip wrap or like really thick chunks of concrete. Right. Right. And unfortunately that's the Susquehanna for me, you know, it's yeah. rocky <laughs> as all get out. So yeah. I, it's snag city. So um, that's part of the reason why I haven't thrown this as much is because I I'm still, I'm finally gotten to the point where I can use a Ned rig without snagging a ton. Um, mm-hmm. um, so I definitely want to give this a try when I get to that point. Uh, but uh, well, so go ahead. your river is not very uh, deep though, is it? Not generally, for the most yeah. part, especially now in the middle of the summer is getting lower and lower. Uh, but there are, I mean, there's spots that are deep uh, mm-hmm. and, and and it does slow down in those spots. It's not all rapids and, you know, um, current as in those deeper spots. Um, but in the summertime, I usually kind of shy away from those just because um, I don't feel like the fish are there as much. I, I tend to target like the five to six foot deep depths. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost always use moving baits just because I feel like I cover water more effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use a crankbait a lot. Um, I started using that Rico popper like crazy. Oh, yeah. like once the sun goes <laughs> down behind the horizon, if anybody are listening, I'm spilling a little juice for the Susquehanna, but once the sun <laughs> goes down behind the horizon, man, it's game one with the popper. I, I just went out last night and caught 15 and or uh, five and 15 minutes. Um, Jeez. And it, again, it was as soon as the sun goes down behind the horizon, I just start throwing that and it's like magic, man. They just start crushing it. And I have uh, to remember that because I don't have much success on the popper. I don't know why. 
so that's that's where I started using it. And, and it was the weirdest thing because I always felt like I don't see anything else making this kind of action. on. And I have, you know, the Susquehanna is a mile wide, so you can see a long way away. And I'm like, nothing else on the surface looks like this. So that's why I didn't mm -hmm. throw it for the longest time. So I'm like, well, they're, they're going to think, well, that's kind of out of the ordinary. I'm not going anywhere near that. But mm -hmm. it seems like it's the exact opposite. It draws them in and, uh, you know, it usually doesn't take long and they start crushing it. So that's not really a moving bait per se, but it's it's definitely, mm -hmm. a, uh, you know, a, a lot different than, say, a Tokyo rig. So, yeah, uh, I, I guess the closest thing I, I throw that would be somewhat like it would be a the ned rig and b mm -hmm. like a tube like yeah in a tube so i was gonna say uh if you didn't want to throw the tokyo rig in the river since it's not deep enough you could always do like a texas rig crawl you know that's pegged mm -hmm. i mean I, it's I've, the same thing I, it just won't hold it off the bottom right and i've done that but um with <clears throat> not a high degree of luck but it, there's, okay. again that was kind of in the beginning when i was just learning so i know a lot better of the areas to throw now and and that kind of thing so mm -hmm. i need to break out some of the old tactics that didn't work for me and see if now that i kind of understand a little bit better where to throw them mm -hmm. um, but speaking of that so what generally do you see that says to you hey i should throw a ned rig here ned rig uh, i mean uh to oh, <laughs> Tokyo Tokyo rig. Rig. okay i was <laughs> gonna say <laughs> i throw the ned rig everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah uh man so i usually reserve that uh technique for deep slow moving water uh the first spot that comes to mind I, I know the my river like the back of my hand so i i'm starting to learn that there's ledges and stuff out in the middle so i mean i'm going from like three feet down to 18 feet i'm looking for spots like that with my fish finder where i just cast it up shallow where there's enough current where it's not super fast but there's just enough current and i'm just dragging it down that ledge and it, right in the middle of the river, it seems like the big fish have been there. I don't know yeah. what it is, but those big fish in the river seem like they act more like reservoir fish than they do river fish. I know typically you'll find fish in riffles and stuff like that in the dead of summer. Right. But I, I, I catch them there, but it seems like the bigger ones are always deeper. And it's funny because I was talking to my buddy about this today, Ryan Dahl. He's also a listener. Uh, he was like, I swear, man, those big fish seem to, he, he put in quotations, retire and go to deeper, slow moving water when they get older. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, but. I feel like the time of day has a lot to do with that too. Cause um, yeah. you know, that on the Susquehanna, they always talk about these rocky ledges and, and the boulder sticking out of the water. And like when I was out there yesterday in the morning, I threw behind those boulders, which where they say you should throw. Mm -hmm. And it was like a dink fish, man. I, yeah. I had 20, 20 total fish, but I think only three in the morning were over 12 inches. It was yeah. just dink after dink after dink, which is still fun. But when you're looking for the big ones, uh, you know, it, it sometimes it gets a little frustrating. Mm -hmm. And I, I was thinking that same thing. I'm like, man, this is definitely where the little ones are, but where the heck are the big ones? And um, I ended up going upriver away from those. Uh, there's kind of like a line that goes... Uh, in my area that goes the whole way across the river mm -hmm. um, that I can kind of follow along. It's just rocks sticking out of the water. And I was there all morning. And like I said, I just didn't, wasn't finding the size. So probably like 11, I made a move up to, we have a, a bridge that goes across right in my area. And I started fishing the bridge piers and the shadows kind of on the bridge piers as the sun was getting higher. And I started finding size there, not, not numbers, mm -hmm but I, that's where I caught the three biggest ones I caught in the morning mm -hmm. yesterday. And they were kind of hanging out right along those concrete bridge piers in the shadows yep. there. So that's a good I mean, spot for bigger fish too, because it gives them that point of ambush uh, for uh, bait fish to come by or crawl or whatever. And then it protects them from any current too. Like if they, if it floods out. Right. Right. And it, that generally up by the bridge it is it kind of, I don't know why, but the river kind of, gets faster right at the bridge there as mm -hmm. it's going through like above it or below it i can kind of sit there and maintain my position but there i almost have to anchor if i want to want to stay stay there and fish so um there's a little bit of current but like you said i think the 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 bridge um pilings kind of break that current a little bit so they'll either send at the front end or the back end of them yeah stuff 
So that's yeah. kind of where I was anticipating trying this um, potentially. Um, oh, it's funny you mentioned that because I was I did a float yesterday. Uh, bridge abutment. I first cast over there. It was it goes from six to seventeen feet. I got hit by a seventeen and a half inch smallmouth on the Tokyo rig. Wow. So and we, you, we you have, just got to be careful though, because there's a lot of uh, log jams and stuff. Yeah, the same down same there. with ours. Now we, I mean, this is a huge bridge. Like I said, it's it's a mile long plus. So there's a lot of. I think there's fifteen um, pilot or bridge pilings the whole way across. Jeez. And <laughs> so yeah, it's I when I when Ryan and I were uh, we were talking about rivers a while ago, and I. I take so much for granted when I hear you guys talking about a river and I just, in my mind, I picture my river or the yeah. Susquehanna and you know, Oh, it's a mile wide. And he's like, no, no, it's like a hundred feet wide. Yeah. What? So, well, so you'll, you'll find this funny. My river has one, the one I caught the fish off yesterday. It has one bridge abutment right in the middle of the river. <laughs> <laughs> so I, one side of it is fast current. And then the other side is like a big giant eddy and it's real okay. shallow in that eddy, but. Huh. It's weird. Yeah. I couldn't imagine like having that many abutments that you have. I'd be overwhelmed. I, I, where do I start? And there's two. There's actually two bridges within a half mile from each other, just upriver. There, there's the the highway bridge, and then kind of like the the older the town bridge, the one that connects the town. Mm -hmm. So um, I could just paddle upriver another you know half mile if that, and and be under another bridge with just as many. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pilot, yeah so i mean Plus, you could Rocky you could Legends jump the whole way between so yeah you you could literally you could go upstream and just hit one abutment after another and just sit there all day long you know yeah. probably catch yeah. good fish yeah well that's kind of what i did in, in the afternoon when the rocks kind of stopped producing it at all is i headed up to the bridge and kind of worked my way um they always say uh or that i heard that between the Actually, you know, how many did I say? Actually, there's 30. There's 30. 30. Yeah, you said 17. Yeah. There's because there's I, I was thinking 15, but 15 is the middle because they told me oh, if yeah. you fish the the ninth through the 15th uh, um, kind of bridge abutments, then those are the deepest ones. Mm -hmm. um, and those actually do go, you know, 10, 15 deep or foot deep, uh, maybe a little bit deeper in the very middle. Um, but yeah, the ones on perfect. the ends are, are shallow. So you kind of get the best of both worlds and you can kind of see what, whether they're relating deep or shallow as you yeah. go around. So, yeah, that sounds like a perfect spot for Tokyo rig or, you know, uh Ned rig. That'd be a good spot for it. I, I kind of shied away from the Ned rig and the, in the deep part, just for the length of time it takes to get there. Mm -hmm. So, um, plus there is a little more current, like I said there. So, uh, I didn't, most of the, uh, Ned rigs I throw are pretty light. So, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I throw the fifth ounce with those. Okay. I like to be on the bottom as fast as possible. Yeah. Now, uh, when I fish by the rocks, and that's what took me the longest time to get used to throwing the Nedrigs. Everybody I talked to is like, oh, you should throw the Nedrig. You should throw the Nedrig. And I was kind of throwing it in that five-foot kind of open spot, and just I was just mm -hmm. letting it tick along the bottom. But, again, I felt like I wasn't covering much water. So I, mm -hmm. I'm a lot more effective with the Nedrig when I can – pitch it right at the you know those rocks the sticking mm -hmm. out so i know you know that if it if it a if i cast it up right by the rocks and it sits there then i know i'm in an eddy and it's you know that's where the fish are going to be if it immediately comes back downstream at me then i know i'm in the current which isn't always bad but they definitely seem to kind of stick if i know if i can get the ned rig to stop and stay then it's at the spot it should be yeah where i've been catching fish that so, makes sense uh, that's the way I've been, you know, having the luck that I've had with it. Um, again, because I'm more target shooting at that point than just kind of fishing the wide open and hoping, yeah, that I drift past one that's hungry. So, yeah, the uh, so to kind of relate the Tokyo rig to that, I I don't use it as a search bait. I only throw it in the areas where I know there's fish. So, okay, yeah, that and I think that's probably how I'm gonna uh, first take my shot at it is just see. 
um, <clears throat> a on those big bridge pilings, and then also the uh, the rocks, and just see if it works as mm. good as the Ned rig. Because the Ned rig, I've been doing really well with the Ned rig, uh, just crushing it. So I'm kind of yeah. excited to try this. So heck yeah! I mean, um, yeah. Don't yeah. be th don't be afraid to throw them in the lakes either, because I know you said you like to fish the wacky rig deep too, right? Yes. Yep. I so, use I mean, a weighted jig almost everywhere I fish the wacky, just because of the oh man down there faster. So. If you can fish the wacky rig deep, you'll have no issue with the Tokyo rig. Okay. So I mean, it gets down to the it gets down to like thirty feet in a couple seconds. It's that might be quick. really good because sometimes I struggle in the deep deep stuff uh, on my local lake, and I definitely it was weird. Like last year when I uh, I was talking to a guy and he was actually dropping uh, thermometers down, checking the different dip, mm -hmm. depths. And I could not believe the difference in uh, water temperature from the surface mm -hmm. to the like, those 30 foot spots. It was like uh, if the top water was like 70, 70 degrees down there, it was like 45. It was crazy. Are you serious? Yeah. I was like, there's no way that's true. And he's like, he, <laughs> he took a picture of the screen and showed me. He's like, yeah. And, and right there on his depth finder, right next to the temperature was uh, of the, the screen that had the temperature was uh, like three fish. Wow. So they they definitely go to that colder spot. So yeah, I've always cool. I've always been curious about that. Like, I know you guys done like thermocline episodes and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've always been. I don't know much about it, but I've always been curious about that depth change and how cold the water is. That's cool. Yeah. Well, and it gets to a point. I guess what, the one guy we were talking to about it, he was saying that eventually the the lake will turn over, mm -hmm. where you know the fish that were forced to below that area. Will then be forced above it and then that's mm -hmm. when you have to try and fish suspended which i'm absolutely good at. <laughs> yeah, <me either. laughs> yeah that's why you see like in a lot of these reservoirs and stuff you see a lot of dead uh white bass after the turnover yeah when it gets real hot yep when it flips and they struggle a little bit and yeah that's usually when i go shallow especially because then i'm like well they have to go somewhere and i think they're mm -hmm. gonna go someplace they can feel at least somewhat comfortable so did you hear the reel down this week, the juice that Drew Gregory dropped? I'm trying to think. Remember About uh, fishing vegetation and uh, why, why certain spots hold fish, even if it's shallow and stuff like that. I'm trying to think. I might have to go check that Man. out. I might have missed that. I was My mind was blown. I was like, dude, that was awesome. <laughs> well, That's I, good I know what I'm listening to on my way to work tomorrow. <laughs> Heck yeah. I saw he just got third in the the Susquehanna BOS or Hobie BOS. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Yep. And Drew, uh, no, not Drew. Uh, uh, Jody Queen won it again. Second year Jeez. in a row. That's so, awesome. I didn't know who won it. So that's congrats, cool. Jody. That's awesome. You know, we'll have to have him back on here and to talk about that because uh, he came on last year and spilled mm -hmm. a little juice about what helped him last year. Although this year he said it was the jackhammer. So. Yeah. <laughs> not surprised. So. All right. Well, back to the Tokyo rig. So, um, so we know what it is. What kind of um, plastic do you usually put on there? Uh, lately, I've been throwing the uh, Z-Man Turbo Crawls on it, uh, okay. just because it's elastic and it lasts forever. Um, I just bought some uh, missile D bombs, and those have been catching fish for me. That's um, more of like a beaver style, right? Yeah, it's like it's ribbed kind of all the way yeah. down the body. Yeah. It, it looks really good. Um, I'm going to mention this because my buddy was, we were fishing at the reservoir. I was throwing a crawl and he threw a uh, Cinco on his and he mm. was twitching it on the Tokyo rig and he caught some fish. Nice smallmouth. Okay. Thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Like I never thought about throwing the, a worm on that. I don't know why. <laughs> Especially a Cinco, you know? Yeah. But, uh, well, it, it, I've, I've uh, Texas rigged a Cinco uh, mm -hmm. before. So, and it does yeah. kind of twitch well. It almost, you know, like a, a fluke almost. Mm -hmm. if you do it Ooh, right, so. That might be a good thing to throw in tech here. Never thought about that. I don't know if it would foot or flint, flint, blah, like kind <laughs> of flinch or dart right with the, the weight. Well, like yeah. what weight do you usually use? I know I've seen them online when they show you, it's usually like, it looks like a ginormous weight, but like I would think most of the time I would kind of shy or shy away from that. Uh, well, so actually I use two, uh, two weights, uh, quarter ounce uh wicked weights tracer tungsten weights okay and uh i got this technique from uh mike heckinelli's youtube uh mm -hmm. he'll, he'll oppose them to where like the cones are facing each other or not not the cone part but the open part of the 
weight or facing okay. towards each other. So they make that clacking sound underneath the water ah, when okay. you switch it. Almost like, uh, oh, uh, throwing a blank. What's the, the rig that has the BB in it or the, uh, the bead in it? Oh, Carolina rig. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. It kind of sounds like that. That okay. might be a good idea too, to put like a glass bead in between them. Interesting. So but, yeah, the, you got this big long wire. You might as well put it to use and put stuff in there, I guess. Yeah. Put so it. overall it's like half ounce that I'm throwing on it. So okay. I mean, fishing it deep super easy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it definitely gets down there. And then, yeah. um, so, uh, what's your technique like? Uh, so I'll cast out, I'll let it sink all the way down and then, uh, I'll reel in the slack and then I'll kind of, I'll pop it, let it sink back down and then I'll drag it. Maybe, you know, let me see my rod, maybe from 11 to eight, I guess, if you're looking at clock kind of, okay. and then, uh, I'll, I'll let it sit again and then I'll start shaking the rod tip. Cause if, if you can picture that, uh, bait, with the weights on the bottom, you shaking your rod tip, you could just picture that bait just sitting here doing that, you know? Right. So I think that kind of helps with how it fishes to kind of visually see how it work working in the water like that. I always want to test in my neighbor's pool, but I'm always afraid to ask him because I don't want to screw up his line. <laughs> but I feel like that yeah. would be so helpful. Like I, uh, uh, somebody, one of the YouTubers I was watching, he started doing a segment where he actually went to a pool and was as was doing that was actually casting it and showing you what it looked like and uh for the drop shot in particular that helped me a lot because it mm -hmm. made me realize that the more angle you have in your line the lower your bait is to the bottom so even if you have like a you know an 18 inch leader if uh your angle of your line is super you know sharp then mm -hmm. you know the bait's going to be just a little bit off the bottom you know so if you're you want it to be higher in the water column, you have to fish it almost more vertically. And yeah, I, that makes sense now that you know I've seen it. But I'm like, oh yeah, that makes you know I didn't yeah. even think about that. You know I'm thinking, well if I have an 18 inch leader, then it's 18 inches off the bottom, but it's not true. That's actually a good point. I've never really thought about that. That's probably why I struggle with the drop shot because <laughs> I do cast it out and bring it back towards me. And so that's where this is. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. That's what I was doing for the longest time uh, and never had a lot of luck with it. But this, uh, the Tokyo rig, obviously what, you know, your the length of your quote unquote leader is going to be pretty, pretty much set. So, you know, you're only going to be a few inches off the bottom, but, or maybe an inch or two, but uh, mm -hmm. that's definitely can make a big difference depending on what your bottom composition is and, and uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, and that, that's a big thing. I, I've heard a lot of guys saying that the Tokyo rig shines in the fall when all the leaves are at the bottom because that weight is going to sink in there, but your bait's still going to be up above the leaves doing its thing, you know what I mean? Right, and you're not necessarily getting all the leaves stuck on your hook because they're kind of hanging around yeah. by the weight. So yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to remember that too. Yeah, that's, that's burning my head. I think – where did I – it might be Iconelli. He has like a four part series on YouTube about this whole rig, man. And I'm, I watched the whole thing. I'm like, man, that was, that was good. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For <clears throat> sure. So, um, so now we kind of talked about the, when do you throw it or kind of, where do you throw it? Um, uh, what you throw on it behind it, you know, how about, uh, what's your setup for it? Uh, let me see. I'm using a Douglas seven foot four, uh, yeah, seven foot four uh, fast tip rod. So that's like that's stuff that I throw my jigs on, uh, Texas rigged worms, spinner baits, chatter baits, anything heavy like that. Okay. So I I kind of want like that rod that has a real thick back uh, backbone. So if I'm setting the hook from deep, you know what I mean? Yeah. To get that yeah. good hook, hook set. That's and then I have too, right? Yeah, bait caster. Yeah. Yep. I, I don't. Okay. I couldn't imagine throwing this thing on a spinning reel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely more accurate with the spinning reel. So when it comes to yeah. target shooting, then I I might opt for it. But um, I don't know that I have a heavy enough rod to set the hook at 30 feet, if mm -hmm. I'm, unless I'm using a bait caster because most of my spinning stuff is on the lighter side. So yeah, same here. Are, do you have a medium heavy uh, bait caster? Yep. Yep. I do. 
So I think yeah, that'd be a perfect rod for it. Yep. And at least I know on the if I'm gonna fish the bridge pilings, I can just fire it at the bridge piling, let it hit it, and drop straight down. That's exactly I what be, I did yesterday. <laughs> I don't have to be super accurate. Not like uh, throwing at the rocks. You know, there the margin of error is a lot smaller because you have you know current flowing on either side. If you get yeah. it in the current, it's just gonna come right back at you. But if you can hit it right behind that rock and get that sweet spot, then you know, that's kind of, and I'm, I don't think I'm quite there yet with my casting uh, ability, yeah. but I'm getting there. Yeah. So. It, it takes a little while. You just got to dial in your reel and stuff. Yep. But yeah, it, it's funny. You, you casting towards like a, a bridge or something with the Tokyo rig. I've hit so many like abutments with it and I'll come back and the wires like bent 30 degrees. And <laughs> <laughs> so you got to bend it back. I was throwing the Ned rig yesterday and I kept, it would stick to the concrete. Like I'd have to pop it off the wall. <laughs> so I'm like, so like, it must be a rough surface. Cause it would just, I just cast at it and it would like stick. That's of, funny. Well, uh, I actually took Ryan Milford's advice last year. He, he Texas rigs his, uh, uh, Ned rig on uh shrooms head. So yeah, I started plus, doing that. I don't lose as many. Same here. I did the same thing. And, um, that has helped my luck a ton. I, that's part of what I attribute to not snagging as much. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, in fact, I, I wore out a Ned rig yesterday doing that, you know, after like the 20th think it was kind of shredded at the part where I, I could, <laughs> you know, up, up at the hook keeper yeah. pulling down and I'd super glue it and it'd be good for another five fish. And then, you know, but to, I ended up having to get a new one and after that's like, cool. you know, the 15th one, but it definitely held its own for a long time. And, you know, I lose yeah. a lot less. So yeah. Thanks Milford. That was a good tip. <laughs> it was. He's going to uh, listen to that and be like, man, I didn't know I had such a influence <laughs> on you guys. Don't let it get to your head. <laughs> yeah. Well, that and I, I ordered a pack of EWG Ned rig heads from I'm trying to think who that was. And I totally have no clue what I did with them. I remember seeing them. I remember oh. opening them, and then I was like, "Ah, oh, they're gone." I have no uh, lifted them. jigs, probably. Yeah. Yes. And I looked all over everywhere I could possibly imagine I could have put them, and I cannot find them. So <sighs> at some point, I will order more. Uh, well, I feel like that's a easier solution. Well, a more uh, what's the word? Uh, a fancier solution than just mm -hmm. kind of you know rigging it on an angle, but yeah. that works in a pinch. So don't. Uh... Well, I'm I like Z-Man stuff, but the Nedlocks, the EWG Nedlocks, mm -hmm. I'm not a fan. The the gauge wire they use for the hooks is too thick. So when I'm trying to set the hook with that thing, I, I found that I lose a lot more fish using a medium light rod because you just don't get that good hook set with a medium light. Okay. So I went back to the regular shrooms and started Texas rigging them again that way. No issues. I, I still have a few of the uh uh, what do they call it? They, they have them for their craws where you, it has like a, almost like a weight on the bend of the hook. Oh, the uh, belly weighted ones. Yeah. And I, like I started, I've thrown the Ned rig on that a few times just because I was in a pinch and didn't have um, any more Ned heads because I, you know, got snagged and lost them all. But yeah. um, that kind of worked too because you can kind of Texas rig on that as mm -hmm. well. Uh, the bullets. That's what they were. Bullets. Are. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. All right. Uh, how about line? Do you are you a braid to leader guy? Or are you a straight fluoro, or what do you usually? Uh, straight fluoro. I, I don't like throwing braid to leader on uh, bait casters. Okay. okay. Uh, it, it is expensive. I don't use any backing or anything like everybody else does. But I also have like size one hundred and fifty Shimano reels, so it's not you know I'm using less than two hundred yards on a spool anyway. I mean, but Seaguar okay. uh, red label. That's what okay. I've been using lately. Uh, I don't like anything more than 12 pounds of that stuff, though. Any any thicker, I just feel like it's it's hard to work with, and you just get way more memory than you would like the smaller diameter. Okay. But, I've heard lots of complaints about Red Label, but I bought it uh, this year when it was on sale. And um, Now, I only use it for a liter because mm -hmm. I don't do straight fluorocarbon. I'm, I might, though, because the more people I talk to, that I hear a lot of people doing straight fluoro, but... Most of the time I use it for a leader. So I'm doing max like 20 foot sections of it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I have no complaints for red label. It seems to be doing the job. So, and I bought like yeah. six, eight, 10 and 12 pound, uh, maybe 15. 
and uh, I have yet to have a problem with any of it. So, no, I like it. I mean, you can't beat it. Fourteen bucks or something. Fourteen ninety nine. Right. Right. For two hundred yards. I saw Cigar has like a basics out now that I might try. Did you see that? Hmm. No, I haven't. They they have a new. I I think they showed it at iCast. They have a. It's supposed to be like their Econo line now. Um, it's called Basics or Basics. Hmm. You know, has the yeah. S at the end. But, um, so I thought about giving that a try once I once I run out of the Red Label. But I kind of stocked up on the Red Label when it was on sale, so I have quite a bit of it. Yeah, you can't beat it. Uh, I I I, uh, I noticed that any line out there, you're gonna you're gonna have a bunch of people that hate on it. So yeah, it, it's right. it just find something that works for you. Don't if somebody says something sucks, don't let them uh, convince you that it does suck. Try it out first, right. see if it let's see if you like it. Right. No, and I like I said, I I have no complaints, and I actually um, I had uh, some Invisex, so that's what I was comparing it to, and I I haven't seen a difference. Uh, you know, I uh, throwing both. Now I don't throw it in heavy cover a lot. Um, because I've been basic, basically using them on the river. Mm-hmm. Um, at the reservoir I fish, where there's lots of laydowns and stuff, um, there's a lot more cover there. But I haven't used the red label over there as much. Right now. Mm-hmm. So that might be where I'd notice a difference. But for the river fishing, I really can't say that I've, I've noticed a huge difference at all. So yeah, the uh, so you you mentioned braid. Uh, I uh, you'll you'll get sensitivity with the braid, but. It just seems like I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just don't like it on bait casters. <laughs> I'm not sure why. And maybe I that's love why it on my spinning. accuracy struggles because I I have braid deleter on my bait casters too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I I finally got a uh, you know the uh, uh, my first uh, bait caster with the uh, the digital or the uh, yeah the digital breaking and. That's oh, helped yeah. me a lot because then I don't have the fear of backblasting as much. But uh, Shimano DC, uh, is that what I have? I have an SLX. Oh, that's a good one too. That's going to be my next reel. Yep, so that's, that's a great reel for uh, cranking and stuff because it's so small profile. I mean, yep. I can sit there and crank with it all day, and my hand don't cramp up. Yep, and actually, that's what on Saturday. That's what I did because uh, my arm. I noticed when I. Uh, uh, use my uh, spinning rod all day. I kind of am holding the rod up in the air, um, you know, for some reason. And then eventually my arm just gets tired. So when that mm-hmm. happens and I can barely cast anymore, then I'll switch to bait casting my bait casting rods and start cranking. Um, and it's weird. It's, I must hold the rod completely different because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it doesn't hurt and my arms aren't tired in that using those muscles. So. <laughs> I'm struggling right now. I have a tennis elbow. <laughs> oh, I had that and for a while. That sucks. It's from fishing way too much, which is a good problem to have, I guess. I remember asking my doctor what, what, what I could do to make it better. And she's like, well, you have to stop fishing. I'm like, well, guess that's oh, not geez. happening. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> doing that. It, it was a, from a, I know the exact moment it happened. A few weeks ago, I was at the reservoir. I set the hook on it real hard after casting it real hard. And it just went I'm like, oh, yeah, that hurts. It's been sore ever since. And that's kind of the same thing that happened to me. I went on a uh, deep sea, not no, not a deep sea, but a, a striper trip in the saltwater. And they had us throwing like three-quarter ounce jerk baits or uh, just way heavier baits than I was used to. And I wasn't necessarily used to casting with that kind of weight. So a couple of bad casts where it like jerked my arm and, man, it mm. And we, it was like a six hour trip. So just six hours of throwing that heavy weight. Yeah. I, I got, we, we went, I remember going out for lunch and I was like, Oh man, my elbow is killing me. And that was it, man. For the rest of the summer, my arm was, mm. I had that, I had that tennis elbow until I actually, you know, slowed up a little bit on my fishing and I finally got better. Mm. And, uh, it's been good it, this year, but it's, yeah, I, that sucks. I know that feeling, man. It's it's not gonna get better for me when I stop fishing because I got a physical job too. Yeah, no, it's my whatever. keyboard warrior job is uh, <laughs> definitely not as straining. I, you know, my wrists are probably like crazy strong from. Yeah, um, that's but, funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, I even got a, a swollen pinky finger right now from where I hold my reel and stuff. <laughs> I find myself switching where that trigger goes. Yeah, you know, as the day goes, because yeah, my hands just get. 
my hands get tired too. So <laughs> yeah, we're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> getting old sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but I yeah no it's it's definitely I guess a, a good pain to have. It means you're getting out there a lot. So yeah, can't complain. Well, cool, man. Um, anything else you think the people should know about Tokyo Rig? Uh, well, so, so I talked to one guy about it uh, on Instagram. He uh, throws it in super thick stuff, big, thick laydowns, I, which I haven't done yet. Uh, okay. He'll throw it in there like a flipping jig. You know, he'll he'll wiggle it in there. He'll drag it or whatever. And then if you don't get a bite, he'll reel it in real quick and cast that in another one. Okay, so, almost like pitching it or flipping it, that kind yeah. of thing. Or okay. yeah, um, I oh, did you, try you throwing it. Figure it works like a, I guess, like a punching rig almost at that point. Then so. yeah, and uh, that's supposed to be another reason that it's so good is to be able to throw it in that thick stuff and like you know wiggle it down in the thick weeds. Which I've thrown it in the thick weeds. It, it's it doesn't work as good as I thought it was. I'm still bringing back you know a ton of weeds, but. If I'm going to find like an isolated lily patch or something, it, even if it's like four feet deep or something, I'll, I'll pitch it in there and wiggle it, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you, uh, you feel like the hook, if you're, if you Texas rig properly, is not going to be what snags and pulls stuff back. So mm-hmm. it's worth a shot, I guess. So yeah, it's usually the swivel or the very end of the, uh, where, where you bend the wire to hold the weights. That's what usually grabs weeds and stuff. Okay. So if there, I don't know if there's a way you could kind of hide that or not, but I don't yeah, know. It, you know, yeah. Either way, depending, you'd almost have to snip off what you know right at the be- or at the top of the weight. Mm-hmm. But even the depending on how you have your weight, then it's it's going to catch on one end or the other. Mm-hmm. So I guess I, you could use like a a barrel or like a you know those uh, what are they called? It's not a it's not a bullet side or shape like like mine, it, but it, it does have a holder way fully through. Mm-hmm. I've used them before, but on uh, trying to think what when what application I use those for. But I have a few in my tackle box. So. Hmm. Oh, I guess cool. the Carolina Carolina I've used them on. So, gotcha. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, it'll be worth a shot. I mean, maybe it would bring up a little less grass. But um, I'm still, you know, we have eelgrass here on the Susquehanna and. I don't think anything comes through that super clean. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, throw a jackhammer, it'll come through the grass and clean. I'm like, not eelgrass. Yeah, eelgrass is like the most brittle friggin' stuff ever. Yeah, I I have trouble with that too. Just ripping any kind of bait through any kind of grass. You know, right. I know pe- people say uh, lipless crankbaits ripping them through grass. I'm like, ah. That yeah, don't sound what, fun. <laughs> the guy at my bait shop's like, oh, yeah, just, I mean, even if it's crankbait, just you get it hung up and then you rip it out. And I'm like, I would be ripping constantly. Just rip, rip, rip. <laughs> and you're, yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, knowing my luck, I'd break the rod tip. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Now, I, I, I bought those. Uh, uh, there was a crankbait that came out that's supposed to come through grass better. Um, it didn't make a difference for me on the Susquehanna anyway. So, yeah. That's cool. You guys got that grass though. I mean, it it is it is good, and I'm I'm learning how to fish around it. Like mm-hmm. you know, fish the edges. That's been another key to my success is learning to fish uh, grass lines and stuff. It, now it's a lot easier when I can see them rather than have to rely on electronics to graph it and, mm-hmm. and kind of figure out how to position myself without being able to see it. But on the river, when it's five foot deep and you can see it breaking the top of the water. It's real easy to figure out where the edge of the grass lines are. So uh, how um, deep is that grass usually? Uh, it gets the whole way up, you know, till where it's just kind of, you know, pretty much the whole way up and it huh. doesn't stick out of the water. Cause it lays over yeah. with the current, but pedaling through it is like concrete, you know? Like oh, I believe with, it. With my Hobie, I can make it through it. But if you had a prop, I don't know. A prop pedal i don't know how you would get through it sometimes even if i if i'm tired of you know sludging through it i'll just pull the pedals up and just paddle because it's way easier to coast over top of it than it is to huh. pedal, pedal through it so yeah we don't have any grass in the middle of our rivers like that it's we we got i don't even know what kind of stuff it is all along the edges okay it's it's rocky and then we got like these they're not reeds but it's just 
some kind of thick grass and they go up in there sometimes when it's muddy or something, you know, but right. Well, I'll have to take pictures of you some of it sometimes because there's definitely spots where it's crazy thick, you know, and, and I, I've, that's where I first started trying to throw the uh, Texas rig with a, a pegged weight on it. Cause I was like, Oh, I'll just pull a weight through the grass. And I'm like, not through mm-hmm. that grass, you know, yeah. occasionally you can kind of flip it into the ice, like in the middle of the grass, there'll be a spot where there's a rock. And yeah. uh, so there's a hole right in the middle and I'll, sometimes I'll pitch into that, but. Oh, uh, I throw like a weightless big, something, you know? Yeah. Or, or I've even tried a frog coming over the top of it, mm-hmm. and, you know, pausing when you hit those with varying degrees of success, nothing was like, Oh, that works every time, but yeah, enough for or me like, to, if I, if I'm stuck in the middle of a huge grass patch, I, I don't feel lost anymore. So. Yeah. I, I, I think a fluke might be pretty good in there. Yep. Yep. That's one nice thing. Uh, Cause it goes right over top and doesn't, even if it kind of nestles down, it'll sit on top of it. It's one of the mm-hmm. few things that won't actually kind of fall in and get stuck. It kind of lays on top of it cause it's so light. But Yeah. Or even a eighth ounce, like my favorite buzz bait, the eighth ounce tri-wing mm-hmm. that always works good on stuff that grows to the top. Yeah, because right. I mean, you, you hit like the grass patches or the lily pad patch, it, it just flips over and then keeps going when you get to an open area. Okay, okay, I'll have to try that. I, um, Lon Vroot was on, and he was one of the first guests that we had when I started, and he talked a lot about throwing the uh, no, oh, what, what, what bait did you just say? Um, the buzz bait, buzz bait, yeah, buzz yeah. bait, and pulling it right over through those when you know if you if you have a a pool and then you have rapids and then you know another pool if you pull it start on the upper end in the slow pool pull it through the rapids a lot of times it'll get slammed and i have had luck with that i just didn't try it in the grass i didn't think to yeah it'd be my uh that'd be my recommendation i don't know i I like throwing the buzz bait anywhere like that thick lily pads or something you know okay I, cool. I tend to shy away from that with that, but uh, I, I will have to give it a try. So, yeah, I know my uh, there's one lake that comes to mind out here where I we've I, I actually caught a 21 inch largemouth right in the middle of these lily pads on a buzz bait like seven years ago. Nice, it's pretty cool. I that's one thing that some, most of the lakes right here by me don't have a ton of now. Mm-hmm. Um, the youth <clears throat> camp that I go to uh, up in the Poconos that. They had the lake up there has lily pads, and so that was fun to get to go up there and and throw stuff in the lily pads and kind of mm-hmm. see those blow ups and stuff that you always hear about. So that was cool. Wow, that's that's so much fun. I love yep. fishing lily pads. <laughs> so, all right, the- man. Well, I think um, we kind of covered a bunch of stuff. Um, trying to think of anything else we we didn't cover. I I think we're pretty good. Tokyo rig, uh, technique, line, rod, reel, uh, yeah. where to throw it. Yeah, we, we hit a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess, do you have, um, I'll give you a shout or a chance to shout out any sponsors or anything. You have. I haven't done this in forever. <laughs> Man. Uh, Has your sponsors changed at all? I mean, what, what boat are you fishing out of now? You're back to a. I'm still a in the bonafide. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, what? Well, here, I'll do. I'll do two of them. So it's the first two that come off the top of my head. Uh, Loveland Canoe and Kayak. Uh, thanks to Mark Persani, man. He hooks me up with the demo boat every year, and it's awesome. <laughs> so it, I don't get to keep it. I don't actually don't even own my own kayak. So that's oh, the wow. downfall. <laughs> uh, so once it's gone, then you're in trouble. Yeah. But I'll get another one. But right, right. Yeah. So thanks to him, and then uh, bending branches. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of actually getting away from using the motor that I got for the kayak, and lately I've been paddling more, so I've been having a blast doing it. Okay. Okay. I I was gonna say your uh, Instagram content is has been top notch too. Some of your pictures and just the way you you frame your pictures is is unique a lot of times in your videos. I kind of stole your Brad <laughs> Brad Hicks slow motion release the other day. That was uh, a good one. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I wanted to give you props for that. Um, where can people find you on social media? Uh, oh, I don't. I'm not. I don't add very many people on Facebook if I don't know them. So okay. 
uh instagram brad hicks fishing there you go that's kind of what i was looking for but yeah yeah because it's pretty you know your content is good thanks appreciate that i I try i try to keep it entertaining so my my wife can vouch for it she probably thinks i'm a nut job (laughs) when i'm messing around with my instagram and stuff no, I, I, I think it shows that you put work into it because it's, it's not, you know, the standard content that you see, the fish shots that you see that everybody takes, you know, they're, those are there too, but uh, yeah, fish but selfies. I got a bunch of those. <laughs> yeah, but that's good. But, but there are, are unique shots too. And that's, that's kind of what I appreciate too. Sweet. And that's what made me think of your bending branches stuff. Cause you, you do include your paddles in your picture sometimes. And mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah, I, I love their paddles, man. <laughs> they're awesome <laughs> all right man well thanks again so much for coming on and uh kind of keeping me company here as i'm flying solo so i appreciate that um i do have a super big guest that i'm interviewing tomorrow night actually so uh, tune in next week uh, guys for probably one of the bigger names that uh, i've talked to i'm super excited about that so you can find out <laughs> who that is next week but uh stay tuned for that and um so brad thank you again sir Heck yeah. Anytime. Uh, if you need a co-host, I'll jump on. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate that. So everyone, thanks again for checking in. This has been the Bass Fishing for Noob segment on the Paddle and Fin podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Good night, everyone. Later, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water shout out to rocktown adventures located in northern illinois for all your kayaking camping and hiking needs shout out to jig masters jigs when in doubt get the jig out go to jigmasters.com 